Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast. Now, please welcome, all the way from their front living room, your hosts, Shelley and Bella. Hey guys, welcome to episode 35 of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast. Hi everybody. And today we have with us a chap who, with his friend, came across something in the forest. It wasn't Bella. (laughs) (laughs) You need to read the book, guys, but this is going to give you a little bit of an insight as to what the book is all about. We have with us today the author of The Day I Met Bigfoot, Craig Durham. Hi, Craig. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. We've obviously read the book. We got the book. It's absolutely fantastic. It was a thrilling read, and I like the way you've broken it up into nice sort of bite-sized chapters as well, which is is always nice, especially for someone like ourselves who, you know, has a day job as well as this. Yeah, but I read it all in, like, one sitting. Yeah, well, that's because you're smart. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Easier to read, I guess. Yeah, it is, definitely. And like I said, if you're working as well, it's good because you can sort of pick it up and put it down and you're not having too much of an issue sort of finding where you were before, if you see what I mean. Yeah, true. Tell us a little bit about you and your upbringing. How does the story sort of start? Give us a little bit of background on yourself. Sure. Well, in the story, I, I kind of start early on in uh, my childhood. And, you know, I have a, a couple of friends in my neighborhood that I grew up with. And I do mention a few of these people that are kind of relevant to the story later on. But one uh, friend in particular who I've probably known since I was four years old, like a neighbor right down the street. So we grew up together. I kind of talk a, a little bit about the, uh, we have like a woods kind of forest area near our neighborhood. So we kind of started going down there. A lot of the neighborhood kids going down to, there's a pond down there. We we would catch, you know, frogs and turtles and things like that. And also ride our, uh, just our little BMX bikes down there and ride through the trails and everything. And this was even before mountain biking. So I, I talk a lot about mountain biking and how that just kind of progressed with this story. But at the beginning of the book, anyway, I do kind of mention how we got into it. Early on in the book, it's a lot about me, my neighborhood uh, friends, and, and how it becomes relevant uh, later on in the story. I think, you know, you, you kind of figure it out as you go. You're doing the kind of things that uh, we used to do when we were a kid, rather than the kind of stuff kids do today. Yeah, right, exactly. And, you know, and, and a few people were kind of relevant to this particular story that I wrote about. So that's why I did talk about you know, some of my uh, neighborhood childhood friends. You talk actually at the end of the book about the differences between the sort of generations, if you like, and the fact that when we were kids, if we didn't come back with a scuffed knee, then our parents didn't think we were actually doing anything all day. You know, we were expected to come back with these cuts and bruises and scuffs and scrapes. And it was just part of everyday life back then, wasn't it? You used to spend most of your time in the woods and, as you said, sort of trying to collect all the creepy crawlies that you could. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was definitely, you know, I, I grew up before the iPhone and we played some video games, but it was hanging out with a couple of friends. But most of the time, yeah, we, we always were outside. Everybody, I had a, a neighborhood that I lived in and it was full of kids, so... It was also also a school down the street, and at any time you could go down there, you could see somebody playing basketball or you know, anything at the schoolyard. So we were constantly out and about and exploring. And yeah, so I do talk about that at the end of the story, just how that neighborhood is a lot different now than when we were kids, that's for sure, a lot quieter. Did you find that when you were a kid and you used to play out in the sort of wilderness, if you like, or out in the woods, did you ever come across anything then that sort of spooked you or made you think, hmm, something going on here? Or No, honestly, never. 
I don't even know if you could call it like a, a forest, but there's like scattered in the Boston area. There's there's woods, but they're kind of scattered kind of preserves, I guess, that maybe the government, you know, kind of set up. So there, there may be 10, 20 square miles or so. So growing up, we would go and explore in there a lot, but you might see one deer if you were very lucky, but there's no bears or anything like that. But we did go up to uh, Maine and um, New Hampshire. You know, th- that gets pretty wilderness, but no, we really never actually saw anything. So before this, we were out uh, later on, or I, I talk about in the story, before this, yeah, we, we were definitely not prepared because we'd never come across anything other than what we would have seen at like a zoo or anything, but nothing out, out in the wild. When I was growing up, I actually lived in Massachusetts for a while. Wow, okay. I'm from Maryland, but my stepfather was from Massachusetts, so I know that we used to go into woods and we'd try to scare each other and just do silly right. things that today you walked around telling everybody, oh, look what I did to my arm, it's broken, or my knee, or whatever. Right. Pretty cool. It seems like uh, when growing up, everybody was always in like a, an arm cast for a, a broken... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, at the schoolyard that was down the street, we were constantly... This was like big when our like rollerblading was big. Yeah. You remember rollerblade? Yeah. <laughs> we had uh, homemade ramps that we would jump off of, and someone was always getting hurt, so either a yeah. bike or a, a rollerblade, but, and, and some skateboarding as well. Yeah, we, we were always out doing something. But if you're out in Western Massachusetts, it gets pretty uh, deep in the woods out in Western Mass. But in the Boston area, yeah, there's not much, you know, especially for wildlife. I know that you said that before this experience, which obviously we'll talk about a little bit later on, before this experience, you never gave really a second thought to Bigfoot or the paranormal or whatever. How has your experiences changed your overall opinion of the paranormal? Yeah, well, like you're right. I never never thought about it or got into it before that, but I don't know how it changed me, but I mean, it definitely opens your eyes to a lot more possibilities. I know there's a lot of TV shows and things like that that you can tell it's, they kind of scare you. (laughs) Right. Trying to get you to come back right after the commercial and it's, it's a little silly, but it's still interesting. Uh, yeah, I definitely a little more curious, I guess you could say, about a few things. There's someone who I listen to quite a bit, and he's got quite a good take on it. And he says you need to keep an open mind, but not so open that your brains fall out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good one. Hey, I mean, there's, there's definitely uh, a possibility out there, you know. And yeah, if you are close-minded to it, then you, then you want to op- open your eyes up to little possibilities. But like I said, unfortunately, some of these shows sometimes do kind of make it like a, a funny topic with kind of like if you do say that you believe in ghosts or, or whatever it is, then, you know, you, you kind of, you know what I mean? It's like you kind of fun of it in a yeah. way. I think that's part of our mission, really. And we never had a mission to start with. It was never our goal to, to become these sort of crusaders or whatever. But since we've started... Crusaders. In, well, yes, it is. <laughs> but, but we've found that since talking to people who really have got their head screwed on, you know, and, and that aren't the sort of kooky people that you would expect normally to talk about these sorts of things, we've actually found since we've been doing this that, that it's actually quite sensible quite honest, quite, you know, reliable people, if you like, that haven't necessarily got an agenda that are just saying, you know what? And this is what I liked about your book as well, is that you weren't trying to sort of say, oh, you know, Bigfoot's an alien and, you know, he he comes down from a, a certain dimension and whatever. You were just, this is what happened to me. 
this is, you know, this is how we dealt with it at the time. This is what I think about it now. And you know what? I've written this book because friends have said that maybe I should share my story. And that's it. You're not looking to become a millionaire off of this or no get rich quick scheme or anything. This is just what happened to you. These are your facts. And that's what we found. And, and I think we're on a bit of a mission now to kind of almost give people like yourself the voice and the sort of medium, if you'd like, to say, you know, this happened. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And yeah, like you said, I mean, this was a story that myself and my buddy who was in the book with me, yeah, we, we, we definitely told the story to a few people at the time, but, you know, kind of faded away because, you know, when you're I, uh, you tell your family or your friends, I think, at the time, and it's like, yeah, okay, sure, that happened. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, we kind of didn't really go out exploring and trying to get, like, well, people to tell this story. But I got a, a guy that I work with who is, he's, you know, big into Bigfoot and kind of... I guess you could say, you know, kept on me. It's like, oh, you got to get the story out there. You got to tell the story. And, you know, there's the people who are, are believers of Bigfoot and the Bigfoot community will appreciate it, will believe it. And, you know, I think that's kind of the biggest thing was he said, you know, you got to get it out there because the people who believe they they like to know these things and they want to know. And I figured, all right, well. It's been long enough, so what the heck. Yeah, and I don't think it necessarily just has to be Bigfoot believers per se, but as we say, anyone with an open mind, you know, we don't have all of the answers. There's a lot of things in life that, that we don't have the answers to. So you mentioned about your friend that you shared the experience with. That was Kenny, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, that's Kenny. So what does he think about you writing the book? I mean, at first, I think he was a little hesitant, like, you know, about the whole thing. But once we kind of sat down and talked about it, and then we figured out, oh, what the heck, why not? So we got together and try to remember all the details. I mean, this was about 20 years ago. So we sat down and kind of planned it out and try to get every detail down, everything that we could remember exactly and make it as accurate as possible. So he was a big help in putting it all together. But yeah, like you said too, this definitely wasn't like a money-making scheme or anything like that. And my original goal but I'd said to a buddy of mine at work who wanted me to get this out there. I was like thinking, like, if I sell one copy, that I, I then I'd be surprised. It's like, who's going to buy this? Hey, Craig, I follow you on Instagram, and I can tell you that having seen all of the people, I think it's fantastic that people are doing this. They're actually posting pictures of themselves with your book. Yeah, yeah, that's so exactly you've sold a hell of a lot more than one. <laughs> that's what I was about to say was the response has been unbelievable. I'm very shocked. Uh, I didn't realize how many. Especially when I started to go on Instagram, I didn't realize how many even like Bigfoot related pages there were. It's, it's unbelievable. But yeah, the response has been, you know, unbelievable. But now that I got it out there, I'm into it. And then it's like, yeah, I, I don't, you don't mind sharing the story because a lot of people actually, they do believe and they want to know more about it. So it is interesting. And it shouldn't only appeal to people who believe in Bigfoot. It should also appeal to people who are out in the forest, walkers and like yourselves, mountain bikers. So I know that and if we get into the story a little bit now, I know that you initially yep. went out to California to help your brother move house, wasn't it? Yes, he was living in California. He had taken another job in California, but it was a few hours away or so. And so we just went out there to yeah help him move, basically. Just to recap earlier, when we were kids growing up, you know, we've always gone into the woods and mountain biking. And that, that became, we kind of became uh, big mountain bikers. It was a big hobby of ours. And we started to explore all, uh, you know, New England mountain biking. Fast forward when we were out to California, we're helping my brother. He just happened to have 
a couple mountain bikes. And so when we help them move, you know, we're on vacation. What the heck? Let's go find a place to go mountain biking. And that's kind of how it started. You decided to go out on these mountain bikes. You went Mm -hmm. out to an area that you weren't overly familiar with. We weren't familiar with it at all. We pretty much just saw it in a magazine. And we had never been in that area before. This was Mount Shasta, Northern California. And yeah, we had never been there before. You know, we were young, but we weren't thinking, we were just thinking, oh, let's, let's just go for a, you know, a mountain bike ride. But we weren't thinking about how big and like expansive this area was. Because again, we were kind of used to New England, you know, so we weren't going up there and we just figured it was like a quick little ride. Let's go for a couple hours for the day or whatever and uh, head back. So yeah, we were definitely not prepared for what it turned into. Yeah, you could fit a whole lot of Massachusetts in California, can't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely. It's crazy how big it is, how unexplored I think it is too, you know? So these days, obviously, life is a lot easier with GPS and stuff like that. But very quickly, you found that you didn't know exactly where you were. You were obviously lost. We were pretty much riding along on, um, you know, on some of the trails in there. And, you know, we ended up having some bike trouble. Yeah, at that point, you know, we can kind of get further in the story. But at that point, I think, yeah, we, we started to understand that, you know, we're pretty much... We had no idea where we were. So we had another buddy of ours that always came with us, and he had, like, a great sense of direction. He would always find our way out of there. You know, he wasn't with us at the time, and we were definitely lost. I don't, I don't know if we exactly knew it yet. When our bikes broke down, we probably weren't exactly aware yet because we're just, you know what it is, you just get on the bikes and you just go, and it, it's such a beautiful area, and we enjoyed it so much that we almost didn't really care. Um, we weren't thinking of, like, You'd you have know, to turn around and go back. How long. <laughs> Right, and how lost you can get in trying to survive out there, actually, if you're really lost, you know, because we, we would never, we never had to experience anything like that in New England. Every time you could ride for days, and it's like you always end up outside, you know, onto some street. One of the trails always ends up on a street or yeah, it comes out the other end. Like yeah, behind a shopping mall or something that we, we kind of realize where we are. So, like you said, you could almost fit the whole Massachusetts in just this area up there. It was so big that we weren't prepared for that. And it was while you were tending to your bikes that the incident happened, wasn't it? Yes, exactly. Uh, And I don't want to give too much of the story away, but what are you prepared to share with our listeners about what actually happened? He was scared. I would have been. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean... There is a lot to the story. So, you know, as you know, it's called The Day I Met Bigfoot because this particular day does have like a big life-altering, I guess you could say, uh, change in my life. And and we did have this encounter up there, and we were stuck up in this area for a few days. And because of us getting stuck up there, you know, I kind of talk about someone who I end up meeting. And... uh, and how this whole thing changed my life. And you know, we can get into all that. But as far as at this point, we're in the woods. Yeah, you know, we do have a little bike trouble. And we're kind of on this. We're on the trail. It's like a rocky trail. It's kind of on a on a bend. But it's a weird, like, kind of rocky, cliffy, kind of a hiking trail, I guess you could say. So I have a little bike trouble. I pull my bike upside down. I, can, uh, I have a flat tire. So I turn the bike upside down, basically start to change the tire. My buddy, Ken, he's messing with his bike too. He's kind of around the corner. So as I'm 
messing with my tire. I have the the water bottle that's on the bike kind of shakes loose and it rolls down the the trail a little bit. So I kind of jump up to go and grab the water bottle. And it's at that point where I can hear kind of uh, branches breaking. But so I kind of look back and there it is. There's Bigfoot basically right there about 12, 10, 12 feet away. And uh, I think it was probably about as as scared of us as we were of it. It seemed like it was a long time. It was probably just seconds that this initial shock fell over uh, until I kind of motioned over to my buddy of mine, you know, Ken, to come on down and check this thing out. And and then, you know, the, the encounter goes on from there. I mean, I don't know how, how much we want to get into it, but... We'll go by you on in terms of how much you want to go in into it, definitely. You say that, obviously, at that particular time... You're looking at Bigfoot. Bigfoot's looking at you. Did you have that kind of fight or flight kind of response? What was going through your mind when you first saw him? I call him a him. It could be a her, obviously. We kind of said it, I guess, or just Bigfoot. Yeah, we don't know him or uh, if it was a her. We don't know. But it was almost like, and I've never come across a bear out in the wild like that. But I know, you know, you're always like supposed to, kind of stay still if you run it's going to run after you and i think that was just kind of the initial thought of what to do was just stay still for a second because it wasn't charging at us it wasn't coming at us and it was almost like stepping like behind this tree as almost like it was trying to hide in a way but whatever reason it did seem almost as like shocked of us we definitely kept our distance it's funny if you think about it that he thought if he hid behind a tree he'd be you wouldn't be able to see him. That's like kids do that, don't they? Oh, if I can't see you, you can't see me. <laughs> you know, it definitely had this kind of a childhood demeanor to it, and so we think it was I don't know if you call it like a juvenile or just a young Bigfoot, but oh, it kind of had tendencies that a, a young child would would have for sure. Like it was shy. A lot of people say that the Bigfoot encounters that they've had, they've, there's been a smell. Can you give any sort of description to that? Did you notice a smell or how big was it? You said that you thought maybe it was a juvenile. I assume that's more probably in its actions rather than its stature. Yeah, definitely in its actions because it was still probably about between seven and eight feet tall. So Ken, he's a little over six feet and we just kind of judged at the moment. We've always assumed it was about maybe seven and a half feet tall. But as far as smell goes... There wasn't really any sort of a, a distinct smell that we ever thought about or or noticed, I guess. We were sweating from mountain biking in the heat anyway, so we probably smelled ourselves. <laughs> no, we never really noticed anything like that. I'm skipping forward a little bit now so as to leave your readers with a little bit more to get from this rather than just listening to this particular interview. There's a part in the book where something happens and you all take off running. Yes. Did you ever get any kind of inkling as to what that was? No, we never saw anything. We weren't sure. So as that encounter progressed, again, we're still at a distance or so, but we end up in this clearing and we're kind of watching this Bigfoot doing uh, something. So basically, your, your anxiety is is racing at this point. And you know, we're on edge for sure, scared, curious. 
quite a lot going on. So yeah, we immediately hear a bunch of like rustling through the, the brush and breaking of branches, almost like a bear or something big is running at us. Might have been mommy and daddy Bigfoot. <laughs> we weren't sure, but the kind of the area that we were at, it was like kind of a hilly area. So you couldn't really see completely around you without having to say go up on a, a rock or a ledge or whatever. So we couldn't see anything coming towards us. But we could hear it. It's such a quiet area. And we could hear this thing coming at us. I mean, it happened definitely very quickly. But the Bigfoot just up and took off. So at this point, me and Ken probably look at each other and say, let's get the heck out of here. And we run in an opposite direction. So I figured if something is big enough or fast enough to scare that Bigfoot away, you know, we should get the heck out of there as well. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. And we ran for a few minutes to get out of there. And we're like, this is a heavy brush and trees. We're we're just in t-shirts and shorts and we're running through and get, our bodies are getting all hacked up and scratched up and definitely running as fast as we can to get out of there. We finally got to an area where we could hide behind a rock and catch our breath, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. And at that point, then we realized we were really lost because we know we have to try to find our way back to the bikes and... Yeah, you know, we could, we could never find our way back to the bikes, but that's kind of where the story I think takes another turn and gets a little more interesting. Yeah, because now it turns into two guys having to survive in an environment that's totally alien to you. Really, I mean, you you'd spent your leisure time in there, but now you've got to try and survive. If we were lost in a, a city, I think we would find our way out of there you know, a lot easier than this place was so remote. You couldn't see. There was no way to climb up anything and get like a vantage point to see where we were and how to get out of there. So, yeah, at this point, things took a turn for the worst, I think. Do you ever remember watching the Blair Witch Project? Have you ever seen Oh, yeah, movie? I remember watching that. I can remember not being necessarily scared, but just being so annoyed when I was watching that because the people that were involved in it, supposedly just showed absolutely no aptitude for, like you said, trying to find somewhere high to maybe get some kind of a vantage point to find their way out. So I was quite impressed by the fact that you guys didn't succumb to the Blair Witch or anything else that was going on in that forest. You actually did, in the end, obviously because we're talking to you today, manage to find your way out. How long would you say that you were lost? I would say the whole thing, I'd say, was about a two-day time frame, I guess you could say. As far as being lost, that was probably a good day and a half or so. But we did definitely try to think of as many things as we could to get out of there. Climbing trees, all sorts of stuff. But I'll tell you, this area was like just so dense, thick forest that it was very difficult. If you're not in there, you don't have a compass or anything. You don't know if you're going north, south, even if you're walking in a straight line, because you can't walk in a straight line because you're constantly having to kind of walk around rocks and trees and things like that. A couple of times when we did see something that, oh, let's head over there, climb up another cliff or something to see if we're walking in the right direction and you're not because there's no sense of direction there. And like I said, you're constantly having to walk around things. So it was very difficult to catch our bearings where we were. Yeah. Yeah, you guys were pretty lucky, really, if you think about it. Neither of you got really seriously injured in there or anything. A lot of us, a lot of having to get out of there did have to do with uh, luck as opposed to, uh, you know, any sort of skill. <laughs> but well, um, well, you thought that obviously you were just originally going out there for a mountain bike ride. So you didn't have really provisions for an overnight stay or excess amounts of water or whatever. You weren't carrying that kind of kit. 
Yeah, we didn't have anything like that. Yeah, this was we weren't going out there to look for Bigfoot. We weren't going out there to even to go camping or anything. It was just a let's just go up to this area. We started in the magazine. It looks like a cool area. Let's go for a little mountain bike ride. One of the reviews that I have on the, the book on Amazon, some somebody had said these guys did exactly the wrong thing that you should do going into the woods. <laughs> and we weren't going into the woods to have like this to be outdoors men or, or anything. We're just going for a simple bike ride. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't prepared for anything like that. Well, you got a bloody good story out of it. Definitely uh, an interesting adventure that, I mean, we will, we'll never forget it. My buddy Ken, we're still friends to today and we still go mountain biking. And none of them have a amount to that, but uh, it's still fun to get out there, you know? But we definitely go a little bit more prepared sometimes now when we're going up in an area that we've never been, that's for sure. Have you ever thought about going back there and going into those woods again? I haven't, but I I definitely would. You might find your bikes then. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Was your brother, be honest, was your brother pissed about the bikes? Not really. For example, one of the bikes was his roommates that had he had just left it there. And at this point, my brother was pretty busy with uh, working. I don't think he ever used it anyway. Yeah, yeah, surprisingly, he didn't really care about it. But I think that, you know, he initially thought maybe we sold him or something because (laughs) (laughs) he didn't didn't really believe why we didn't come back with the bikes. But it's all good, though, you know. I suppose at least he got you back, considering the ordeal that you went through. Yeah, and I've been out there even before this a couple times to help my uh, brother he's had a lot of careers and a lot of jobs and he's moved from must have moved from five or six different places in california and and texas a few times so i've paid my uh, debt to him helping him move a few times <laughs> but i just to go back yeah i would definitely go back to the area the area itself is it's a beautiful area as far as where we were exactly uh, you know we never knew where we were we could never find the bike so i doubt i could ever find that exact spot as far as the area itself we're great to go camping and all sorts of stuff uh, you just definitely got to be careful up there if you're not in any actual campground or if you're just kind of wandering off on your own that's for sure just take a gps yeah that's true you know it's funny even now on my mountain bike i have a gps unit on the bike with a little computer definitely the technology has come a long way that could have been useful back then that's for sure the first thing my husband ever gave me as a gift was a gps that's true (laughs) that's true (laughs) bella has the worst direction or sense of direction ever (laughs) the fact that she finds her way around the house is a miracle to me (laughs) yeah i mean he unfortunately didn't even have a map book have a map book actually that we bought to get up to the area because we were a few hours away from where my brother was living so we did have a map book to get up to the area but of course being stupid we didn't even carry the map with us when we went for our ride so that might have helped us well i wonder how useful that would have actually been when you were in the middle of the forest because well, again true. not not having a compass or being able to find your bearings it might true. have kept you it warm was, yeah and it was more like a road map yeah. than uh, it wasn't like a map or anything like that there's been times where we've gone up to maine new hampshire and sometimes there is a trail map available an entrance to a national forest or something like that and there's sometimes the trail map that you can grab and that's a big help too yeah. you can see where you're going but yeah we didn't get anything like that unfortunately we kind of wandered off on our own down a couple of dirt roads just a probably a touristy type area so there's a lot of people right at Mount Shasta. So we did drive a few miles away to kind of get away from that just so we can kind of do our own thing. And that was probably what screwed us to begin with, you know. Going back to Bigfoot, where do you think Bigfoot actually comes from? What do you think it is? I really don't know. I would say, I mean, when we 
look at it, it was almost like, you know, if you could take an actual ape and a human and almost mix them right together, it's exactly what it was. It had features of both. You're at a zoo and you're watching a gorilla do his thing, eating food, whatever. It looks like it had some intelligence, you know, and certain mannerisms. And But yet this thing also was walking on two feet. And you could it tell it had a, a curiosity, and it's weird. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just some lost branch off of evolutionary chain or what, but definitely uh, somehow a mixture of both. It's funny because, and I don't mean to get base here, and I'm certainly not mocking it or anything, but you called Bigfoot it because obviously a gender wasn't obvious to you, and you never hear about Bigfoot balls, do you? You know, so... It just makes right. me wonder whether they're a bigger branch off than what we would think, if you see what I mean, because there is nothing there to discern whether it's male or female. Yeah, and uh, honestly, we weren't even really, at the time, thinking about it. A lot of this just happened so fast, and it, this kind of encounter progressed. We did kind of keep our distance a little bit, but... Good choice. And you don't think about things like that. Like uh, I've had a few people ask, like, well, where's your evidence? Where's your, your hair samples and your foot castings and things like that? Um, and, I, you know, again, I almost have to stress, like, look, I, we didn't know anything about Bigfoot. We didn't know even that is a thing. You could do grab some hair samples or, or make some foot casting. We had never heard about that. And, again, this wasn't something that we were looking for. This was just out in the woods yeah. or out riding a bike. I don't know. I don't know if it's the TV shows or what, or makes you think like, you know, if you don't have any real evidence, then it's, there's no credibility to it. But again, and I'm not, I'm never trying to prove my story to anybody. Like I do say in the book too, this is my experience. This is my friend's experience. And, and this is what happened. Went out, out at like any Bigfoot seminars or anything like that, trying to prove our story. This is our experience. And I think that people today forget, really, that back then, not everyone had a camera strapped to their hip like they do today. Things were a lot different there. And as you say, I mean, had you been totally aware of everything, you know, and you knew exactly what was going to happen, rather than taking a camera, you probably would have taught extra water or whatever because of what was going to end up happening. I mean, you guys, as you said, were, were out for a bike ride. You were out to explore on your bikes, and you were expecting that evening to get back in your truck and go back to your brother's place. Yeah, exactly. Very simple. It's basically exactly what happened. And it obviously turned into something that we weren't prepared for. I mean, I did have a phone. I know everybody has a camera phone now. I, I just It was just your basic standard phone at that point. No camera. I don't know if you could even send text messages at that point. But yeah, just a basic phone. So I had no camera phone. And uh, and just a couple of bike tools. That, that's about as far as uh, as I went, you know. Do you think it's interesting that in a lot of the stories that Bigfoot are often sort of solitary? They're not really seen that much in groups or anything like that. So it does make you wonder, you know, when we were talking about it branching off from the the evolutionary chain or whatever. It's just odd that there are any left at all because they don't seem to be together, do they? True, and I had obviously learned this some time after, but just this area in the United States, you know, they say that there's some areas that are completely unexplored that no human has ever been to. It's just such a vast, difficult area to, to even get to. So you know, you don't know what's out there. And another story, actually, I just read on the news the other day that some drone footage of a like a lost tribe that was just seen for the first time down in, uh, I think it was like South America somewhere. So you think about, it, you know, there's even 
other human tribes that have never been seen before and they've never seen us so there's obviously some of these areas that are still unexplored and we don't really know what else is out there and i think that's where modern science to a certain degree fails because there seems to be this perception if you like that scientists know everything and that you know if science hasn't got an answer for it yet then it can't exist and really as you've just illustrated that's not always the case we've got here in the uk especially down in sort of devon area and cornwall that very often there's sightings of big cats on these big open moors. There's been photographs of them and everything, but they've never been able to actually pin it down. There's been footprints, impressions in the in the soil and what have you, but no one's ever found it. So these things are eluding people. And the UK is a much smaller... You could probably fit the UK into that state that you were in there or several of the UKs into, into Definitely. that state. <laughs> probably into that forest. So, yeah, there has to be things that haven't yet been discovered. I don't want to go into the last part of the story of what happens after you got out of danger, if you like, because I think that that's a cracking end to the story, that is, and how, as you said, it has changed your life in more ways than people could imagine i'm going to leave people with that so that they can read your book and and find out about that if you don't mind me asking what do you do today what do you do for a living video work uh, produce videos for the te- technology companies that we have out here so if they have a new product like say it's a tv or a dishwasher or even a computer system anything it could be uh I deal with trains and oil rigs and things like that. So I do a lot of uh, video production for just a, a vast amount of companies. And you've said that one of your colleagues has been really pushing you to write this book. Sometimes people dismiss things that they can't explain. And in doing so, I suppose, put people down that who do believe. Do you find or have you found that since you have written the book that some people are treating you differently now? Honestly, no. I I mean, I, I haven't been to any real Bigfoot-related things. I haven't gone to any seminars or done any book signings or anything like that. As far as just the people who I have connected with, mostly on Instagram and like Facebook or, or even just Amazon, reading some of the reviews, I, I'd say it's mostly been positive. I haven't really had anything negative or any real bad criticism not yet anyway i guess i do think that people are a lot more open today to things i think because of the internet and stuff it's sure the yeah the internet i'm sure helps with that because there is a, a picture or a story it's definitely a lot easier to get it out there and reach a a wider audience you know that people probably didn't have the access to and there are cameras now that are on the phones and it's lots of lots of different things because today i mean my son walks down the road holding his phone i don't know how he hasn't gotten himself run over because he'll be on the phone that's what he's looking at that's what he's you know yeah i find myself guilty of that sometimes too but i guess it's just the age we're in you know but I think, too, as far as any criticism, I mean, I think with, with Bigfoot, it's probably unfortunate because there's, is there any real big Bigfoot experts out there? I mean, if there's a, a guy who is marine biologist and he discovers a new species of a shark, it's like that's uh, totally normal and acceptable. But if just some person is, you know, out in the woods or whatever and says that they discover Bigfoot, it's looked at as it's like a joke, you know? So That's a really good point. But one day, hopefully... If it does get discovered, you'll be able to then say, see, told you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You've mentioned your Instagram. Do you want to share with our listeners where they can 
get in contact with you via Instagram or how they can follow you? Sure. It's yeah, on Instagram it's just at the day I met Bigfoot. Very simple. That's pretty much I'd say the the best if anybody wants to contact me, the best form of communication for me. I do have a, a Facebook page set up, but I haven't really done anything with that yet. I've been honestly kind of busy with the Instagram because I just get, you know, you get a bunch of pictures of people uh, with the book and they really like the book. And so I've kind of spent a lot of time on Instagram and keep keeping that going. So that's probably the best place that they can contact me right now. Yeah. And if any of our listeners do get the book, please do that for Craig. Please take a photo of yourself with the book or even just a photo of the book and a thumbs up or whatever, because it's amazing. I can't, I've, I haven't seen that with a book before and I follow a lot of people. I haven't seen anybody do this with a book yet. It almost seems like you've created a little community. <laughs> I know, right? It's, any, I've even found a couple, um, you know, like uh, random uh, profiles, people who take pictures of just books that they're reading, messages a couple of them, hey, can I, uh, that's my book, basically, can I share this on my page and, you know, kind of turned into its own thing. So yeah, I'm getting a, a ton of pictures of people with the book. So it's pretty satisfying, you know. And where's the best place for people to buy your book? I would say Amazon. Amazon is definitely, it seems to be the cheapest strangely seen it uh, on ebay and all sorts of places barnes and noble i don't know if you guys have barnes and noble out there but no but i sure do miss it <laughs> yeah we, we used to spend a lot of time in barnes and noble didn't we yeah i would say yeah, amazon is probably the best i'm not sure as far as the uk I, I, i'm not sure i mean every site that i've uh looked up looked it up on it's pops up you know walmart.com and you know books a million i'm not sure if you guys have those out there but well, we got it on the Kindle, so that was uh, okay, that was yeah. really cool. And I also found it's a Kindle Unlimited book as well now. I don't know whether you're aware of that. Yeah, Kindle Unlimited and also uh, Apple iBooks. It's on there as well, so if you have iTunes. Excellent. So our listeners have no excuse. They can go out and get this book. They want to take a picture and join the Instagram community. We'll post a picture on there too. That would be <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Craig, really do appreciate you talking to us today. I just want to say that we really enjoyed the book. And one of the things that we really enjoyed about it was that you openly admit at the start, you're not an author. So it's written as if it's you and I talking, chatting. There's no sort of flowery sort of words or whatever. This is what happened. This is how it happened. And I just found that so refreshing. It was a really easy, good, interesting, exciting read. Which I think is why you believe it in a way. It's, it is just there yeah if you were going to be making the story up there was yeah there was, there's no major embellishing or anything like that so it, it really is easy to read and very believable yeah you know it's funny is i've actually i've had a bunch of people tell me that now again i'm not this is just the first book i've ever wrote so i don't know if i'm even doing this uh you know properly or telling the story properly or whatever no i've had that a, a few times where people say i, I love how you wrote this it's just like you know we're sitting at a, a campfire That's and it. you're telling a story and and i'm like well, i didn't do that on on purpose or anything like that this is just me kind of getting the story out and just writing it i think from the heart and the best way that i think i could do it so that wasn't on purpose but i'd appreciate that because a lot of people apparently seem to like that well it, like i said we certainly did so once again thank you very much and, you know, we wish you all the success with it. And we will keep following you on Instagram, too. Awesome. Thanks. I really appreciate you guys having me on. If you see anything else, let us know. Yeah, <laughs> do. And if you go back, if you go back, that's your second book. If you go back, let us know what happens as well.
Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. No worries. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. What a nice chap. Yeah, definitely. But I'm happy to be a couch potato if exercising means that I might see Bigfoot because I'm a wimp. I I don't want to see Bigfoot. Not really. I reckon if you came across Bigfoot, he would be more scared of you. Mm, I don't know. (laughs) He's probably seen humans before, but I've never seen a Bigfoot. (laughs) I'm just on about the fact that I tried arm wrestling you the other day and you always took me out. If Bryce, <laughs> yeah, if Bryce was with us, he would think he was he was a Wookiee. Maybe it's a tulpa again because people saw the Wookiee and thought, "Hmm." No, there was definitely people seeing Bigfoot well before the Wookiee. Anyway, there's only ever one Wookiee. Do you know why? Why? Because no one wants to do Wookiee nookie. <laughs> okay, I'll let you have that one. In all seriousness, guys, you got to check this book out. It is really good. There is a nice little twist at the end, which is... Well, not twist, but there's a nice little thing at the end, isn't there? It is, yeah. And it kind of makes you understand more of why it changed his life. I'm pretty sure his life was changed as soon as he saw that. But do you know what I like about Craig and his story? What? He wasn't out there looking for Bigfoot. He wasn't out there with a big team trying to do anything. He happened across him, didn't he? Yeah, but I do think that most things happen that way. Most of the time. I mean, nobody's expecting to see a ghost. I mean, well, there people, are people go... Well, people hunt ghosts. Yes. There's people that go out and hunt Bigfoot. Yes, but they go to those places after something happened. The people that go out sometimes looking for things like this don't come across it. Well, that's and my maybe point, if though. He was, no, but my point is, is that maybe if he was out there looking for it... Maybe Bigfoot will have realized that he was out there looking for him if he had cameras and guns. And, he would have and given off else. a sinister have, vibe to, well, to he Bigfoot. He would have avoided him. But by the fact that he was just there with his pal repairing his bike at the time, Bigfoot was probably like, oh, what's going on there? You know? Yeah. I've seen a human before, but why, do, why are they on those little things? What is that? Mm. Why did they flip it over? <laughs> How yeah. come they're not riding it now? Yeah, it was inquisitive. And, and the whole thing about that encounter or that part of the encounter was the fact that it was all about the inquisitive nature of the Bigfoot. But that was really cute, that bit where he was sort of like hiding behind the tree, this big-ass mm-hmm, Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. It, must, it, it would have had to have been a big tree to have hidden him, wouldn't it? Do you know what I think is interesting? That I don't think we really touched on much. But Bigfoot stole the backpack. So, so, so what happened? Where did he go? And then, like, when he looked in it, what did he, hopefully he didn't find dirty underwear or anything, but, but when he opened the backpack or ripped it apart or whatever, you know, Bigfoots would do with big, big backpacks or whatever, I wonder what he was thinking when he was looking through it. Do you know what really happened? I've got it. He looked in the bag, he got the tools out, he went back, he fixed the bike. Now you can't see Bigfoot because he's gone, he's on the bike. Yeah, that's why they can't find the bike. Because yeah. <laughs> he took them. <laughs> he's got a little bike shop going now because he's got two bikes now, hasn't he? He's got a little bike shop in the middle of the forest. Yeah, if ever you're looking for bike parts when you're in the middle of that forest, then Bigfoot will probably be there. Hey, guys! You after a spit tire? Got one. Got four. <laughs> We're not taking, we're not making a joke of, of what happened to Craig because, you know, 
but still, it does make you think. Yeah, I'm just seeing Bigfoot riding a bike, sorry. <laughs> and he's got his Bigfoot friend he's given a backy to on the back of it. Yeah. No, I think it's cool. Anyway, do check the book out. It's really, really good. And if you do get the book, like we said during the interview, please do take a photo of yourself with it and stick it on Instagram because there's loads of people doing that. That's really cool. That's yeah, the cool and now thing we've like perpetuated it. So now exactly. when his Instagram thingy gets flooded with loads of people holding his book, he can be like, that's all because of Bella and Shelley. Yeah, uh, Shelley and Bella. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, guys, listen, really do thank you for joining us on this episode. We've got another exciting episode for you next week. We have with us Marie D. Jones, an ex-MUFON investigator, and lots of other things that she's been into as well. And we've already done that interview with her at the moment, and it's really interesting. You want to stay tuned and make sure you get that. And to make sure you get it, you need to subscribe. So subscribing, just in case you're not aware, is totally free. It's not going to cost you anything to hit that subscribe button, but it will ensure that you get the next episode and you won't forget about it. You'll get all of our episodes as they become available. Also, if you could leave us a review and rate us, like us if you can, wherever you get the podcast, that will make more people aware of us. It means that we can get the bigger guests and all that sort of stuff as well, because it means we got the listeners. So please do that for us, and that will help us get up in the charts on whatever platform it is that you listen to. Yep, we got to go now. Got to go find a camera so we can take a picture of ourselves holding the book. Okay, cheers, guys. Take it easy. Bye.